I mean, we listen, when we get saved, uh, thank the Lord we are free. We are free indeed. If the Son of Man has set you free, you're free indeed, the Bible says. But I tell you what, we have some bondages of our flesh that are left, and there's all sorts of things that God is working on us as He endeavors to make us like Christ. And we see in the first lesson that God, God is the one who delivers. It is If you're going to be delivered, God is going to be the one who does it. It is not Dr. Spock. It is not Dr. Phil. It is not Oprah. It is not all of these gurus of smart that think they know what the problem is and a lot of psychobabble. No, I'm sorry. It's going to be God that delivers. And He's going to deliver His way. And uh, He's going to deliver uh, through His Word. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's... We make it so complicated sometimes, and because we're we're finite, we're kind of silly, and uh, we over we overdo things. But God delivers. Lesson number two: We saw that God is the God of the second chance. Moses Mo, Moses messed up. He thought he would deliver. He tried to deliver his people, and he couldn't do it. He ended up murdering the guy. A guy, yeah. Then he had to run away, right? But now God's going to do it. See, Moses, and, and there we go. There, there's our problem again. We try to deliver ourselves. We can't do that. The help of man is vain. The help of our own self is, is sometimes so vain. It is, it is worthless. And, and, and we get proven to ourselves over and over and over again. Well, I, I don't, you ever get there in life and it's like finally like, okay, I don't know what to do. I'm done. I'm done with choices. I'm done with options. I have no idea what to do here. And it's like God is like, ah, finally. Dope. No, he doesn't say that. But uh, he, well, he probably does to me. But it's like, finally, thank you. <laughs> wasn't, that, wasn't that futile? Wasn't that fruitless? Okay. Now here's the way. Well, not, not, let's try this, <laughs> right? And so God's going to do it now, but he's still going to do it through Moses. Moses is still going to be the deliverer, but he's not really the deliverer. He's just the conduit for the deliverer. And that's what God's trying to do in our own life. He has to, we have things that we're going to be delivered from. We need to be delivered from. So watch, so we can be a conduit that He can deliver other through other uh, in other people's lives. He'll use us. And so the lesson three, we saw that there was He was delivered out of His doubt. He doubted God. He doubted Himself, and that's what we do as well. We doubt God. We doubt ourselves, right? And then in lesson four, we had the confirmation. We've been looking at this here. Now the confirmation, God's confirmation of his call. And listen, opposition will always make us question what we're doing. You know, God told Moses what he was going to do. He told him he's going to deliver them. He told him there's going to be problems and Pharaoh's not going to let him go real soon. And it's going to take some time. And he got down there and uh, he went in front of Pharaoh, let my people go. And it wasn't just a no. It wasn't just a, like, no, I'm not going to do it. It was a no plus now I'm going to make their labor harder. It's like, oh, now it's worse. <laughs> it, now, now it's worse than, it, than, than, it, than when it started. And, and we can look at these things and think, man, what are you doing? Right? See, opposition makes us question at times what God was doing and what, he's, what he is doing. And, and this is what, where Moses was. He began to question these things. And so watch this. In the loving care of God, he's going to confirm to Moses again what he's already said. He's going to help them right here. And we saw that the confirmation, we see this, there was, there, was, uh, there was a confrontation that he had with Pharaoh. Let my people go. It didn't go well. There is, we saw the condition of the world. 
We saw this last week, the condition of the world. There is just disbelief and disregard. And I want to look at that this morning, the condition of the world, the confrontation with Pharaoh. And uh, he said, let us go out three days journey. Let us go out three days in that we can sacrifice. No, we're going to bring everything with us. We looked at that last week and we saw um, how, um, you know, if you're going to worship God, you're going to have to get out from the world. You're going to have to get away from the things that are not of God if you're going to worship God. I, I, I think that's one of the most, one of the great things. See, I, I love how God understands, uh, hold on, Unders- I'm about to make an understatement here. How, how God um, understands what we need, <laughs> right? And when he's told us to assemble like we've assembled today, he knows, he knows what we need. How many, have, how many have had to watch online church? How many just chose to... No, I don't know. <laughs> but listen, there's something missing there, isn't there? You know what you find yourself doing? Watching, you're, you sit down to watch and you got your Bible out and you, you, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I need something to drink. So you can put your Bible down and go get something to drink. And Oh man, the counter. Who left that on the counter? You know, and then you're like, and you can still hear it. I mean, and there's all of these distractions. And before you know it, it's just background noise. You know, like, and then you're bummed out. You're like, I can't believe I just did that. I mean, I just, it just, you know, went away. And uh, there's something about God wanting us to come out and put specifically, come in a, uh, assemble to a place. So you can't think about anything else. This is why we take time. And I know it gets kind of like a pattern in too much of tradition. But this is why I think it's imperative that we take time before the message and pray and clear our minds. What are we doing? It's another way that we're coming out so that we can worship and be uh, attentive and awake and alert to the things of God that can help us without distractions. We, we're doing that. And so God told them to get out, get out, go three days journey and come out from the land of Egypt. We know that's a type of the world, right? We, can made, we made all sorts of applications about that uh, last week, asked even the question, what would your life look like if you came a three days journey out from the world? Maybe the Holy Spirit of God would put something on your mind even now, even today. Maybe you did last week. Maybe you do it this week. Something in your life that you could, quote, come three days journey out from. Something in your life that you could maybe shut off for a week. Maybe you could put it away for a few days for on purpose to get alone with God, to hear the voice of God, to hear what He wants. You'd be amazed. We'd be amazed uh, what God could do if we'd just come out. And maybe the Lord would challenge you with that. You know, maybe it's a pattern. Maybe it's a maybe it's changing a morning pattern. Maybe it's shutting something off. Maybe it's turning something over. I don't know what it, you know. God can tell you things. You know what would be good for you to come out from. And we looked at that last week, and uh, so we saw all of these. Uh, things, but today, the confrontation with Pharaoh that happened. But I want to show you this morning the condition of the world. Look at chapter five, and look at verse two. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, "Thus saith the Lord God of Israel: Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness." Okay, here's verse two. And Pharaoh said, "Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord." Neither will I let Israel go. And sometimes, you know, we confront the world. And this was the last thing that we looked at. I mean, sometimes, listen, friend, the world needs us to confront them. The world needs us to, listen, a live, even if it's not going to be the words out of your mouth, 
that you would that you would live a lifestyle that confronts the world. That you would that you would act, that we'd be honest, that we'd be truthful, that we'd be upright, that that uh, you know uh, that no corrupt communication would come out of our mouth, that our words would be seasoned with salt, that where we go and what we visit and what we do and how we dress and what we look like, it all confronts the world. People say, Well, I don't know how to what to say. Well, just live like Christ, right? You'll confront the world and you'll see the world doesn't like it, right? They kind of they don't they don't they don't like that. But the reason they don't like it, because look at the condition of it, right? Look at the condition of the world. They don't really care about Christian beliefs, do they? They only care about them when it, when it comes in between the way they want to live their lifestyle. Have you ever seen so many people go, absolutely. You know what the Supreme Court actually did when they, when, with their decision on Roe v. Wade? You know what they actually did? They actually removed power from themselves. What they said, they said, we'll get, we're, this belongs back to the states, not with the Supreme Court, not with the federal government. They, they, limit, they took power away from themselves and gave it back to the states. But you know what? The world doesn't see that. The world doesn't see like this. The government doesn't usually do this. Our, the, right now, the trajectory of our government is to you know, scoop up more and more power over our lives. And the Supreme Court goes, no, we don't have that authority. That's a state's rights issue. Let's the states decide it. And the left, and, and the, and the, and the, the, left the, the ungodly, those, they're like, bah! you know. And I'll say this. You know why every man is against it? You know why these, you know why these men are against it? Because now they're going to be responsible for their actions. That's all the only reason. Don't, don't let them. They don't care. They could care less. They just don't want to be plunking down money for, for, their, for, for their actions for the rest of their life. That's all they care about. It. Yeah. The world doesn't care about what we believe. I said it last week where that one pastor said to me, the, the, the world doesn't care about what we believe. They just want us to shut up about it. You can believe whatever you want. You, that's right. You can believe whatever you want. Just don't preach about it. Don't stand on the corner with your signs. Don't, don't uh, pass tracks out. Don't knock on people's doors. Why would you bother them? What a bother, right? I don't think it's bothersome if, you know, somebody knocks on my door and the house is engulfed in flames. <laughs> like happened, well, when the house was our, my shop building was in flames. Two in the morning, you know, something pounded on the door, doorbell, and went downstairs. And there's a nice policeman. He goes, uh... Do you own that building? And I looked around the corner of the house. I'm like, uh, yep. Was I like, why would you wake me up? He's like, well, I believe it's on fire. I don't care what you believe. Just be quiet about it. Okay. No, I was pretty thankful. Hey, hey, listen, the world can't see it now, but, and we didn't see it then, but once we came to Christ, we saw it too. Aren't you glad for that person that warned you about hell? Aren't you about, glad about that person who warned you about your lost condition, that you're dying without Christ and on your way to hell? And you look now and you go, thank you. That is, oh, thank you. But the world, yeah, they don't see that. They don't care. We didn't care at one time. They had no care, no concern at all. And it can get kind of disheartening, isn't it? It can. This is what's happening to Moses, verse 2, that when he said, uh, who, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let you Go. It was just total disbelief. He didn't know. He's, he didn't care. Uh, he, he approached uh, Pharaoh and kind of a, I mean, not often does the world do it. it. It's doing it now more and more in our society and American culture of, I just, you know, I'm, I'm an atheist. I know not the Lord. I don't care, you know. But uh, it, it's kind of 
strange coming from the mouth of Pharaoh, seeing they've got they had thousands of gods, right? Osiris, Eris, Ra, the sun god. I mean, they had all they had thousands of gods over there, and and he wasn't being dishonest. He, I don't know the Lord. Well, you're that's actually probably one of the best things you could have said. You're right. You don't know the Lord. You don't know him at all, and uh, and so. It stands to reason that somebody who doesn't know God wouldn't have a heart to please or obey God. Doesn't that make sense? Why, why would you want to please somebody that you're not in a love relationship with? I, I mean, I understand you want to please your boss. Well, mainly because you're in a love relationship with your paycheck, right? That, that's nice. But, uh, and, you know, there, there's, but even, even that, you might, may, might have a friendship with the boss. You know what I mean? There, there's a, we like to please, we like to obey and please those that we are in a relationship with. Yeah. Kind of opens up a little Pandora's box, doesn't it? There, a little kind of a can of worms opens up when, when you agree to that. Oh, sure, absolutely. How many, how many agree that usually you have a heart to please and obey the one you love? I opened the can of worms, didn't I? Yeah. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Amen. Yeah. He said, my commandments are not grievous. They're not hard. Why? Because if, you're, if they're done through him, it's the easiest thing, most natural thing you can do. Yeah. There are people today, they deny God. They're, they're intellectually brilliant people. The brightest minds in the world. You look at Stephen Hawking's... Uh, you look at some of these supposed great scientists and, and just incredible minds that deny the reality and the truth of God. Oh, they're intellectual. They're smart. They can understand things. But uh, if you have a five-year-old grandchild that believes God exists and knows who he is, he's smarter than the scientist is. <laughs> the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Yeah. It is said of Bill Gates, it was an article that was written um, in a magazine, is Bill Gates a Christian? But Bill Gates made this statement right here. He said, I agree with people like Richard Dawkins that mankind felt the need for creation myths. Before we really began to understand disease and the weather and things like that, we sought false explanations for them. You know, it's funny because at at one hand, they believed that those that built the pyramids were just absolute most geniuses in the world. Like, like we're, we don't even compare with them. But then they'll turn right around and say, oh, no, they were too ignorant to understand anything. Well, I thought they I mean, nobody today can replicate a pyramid. They've tried. And you, well, you know what they say now. Well, aliens, <laughs> right. <sighs> yeah, I saw this thing. They said the same, the same uh, architectural uh, components of the 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 structures in Egypt are just like the Mayan ones and just like the all these other structures all over the world. They said it's amazing, and the, the early conclusion was uh, was aliens. And I'm thinking, duh, Tower of Babel. They all had the same type of stuff, and then God scattered them, and they took all that knowledge with them. It's not that hard. Well, it's hard when you reject God, but it's really not that hard. He said, oh, we just had to make up. There, there's we there's a need. There's a need for myths to make up. Listen, people were pretty brilliant, right? I remember learning in school about the Salem witch trials and that supposedly, uh, you know, these, these thug, unlearned Puritan, which they, they had their own issues, but 
these, uh, these Puritans that were drowning all these women that were supposed witches and, the, and we got taught in school they really weren't you know uh, there were things that men just didn't understand and women didn't understand and about their biology and things like that it's like you can't be that stupid I think we have understood our bio- biology for a long time <laughs> okay uh, yeah exactly exactly Daniel Radcliffe I've got a quote here he's the the star of Harry Potter. He made a, listen to this statement. He said, I'm not religious. I'm an atheist and a militant atheist. When religion starts impacting on legislation, people say you can't legislate righteousness. Absolutely. You can. Now the person itself who's under that legislation may not be in uh, under the righteousness of Christ, but you listen, the, the purpose of government is to restrain evil. Right. And they said, Oh, don't, don't impact our rights. Uh, well, when your rights are destructive and wicked, I think they should be impacted. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So you have these men out there, they say that Christ, that I'm sorry, that Christians invented God or his miracles just because they need a, needed a myth. They, all, they profess themselves to be wiser than God. Right. Probably one of the stupidest things you can do, Really. Romans 12, chapter 1, listen to verse 21, 22. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Pharaoh worshipped all sorts of gods. I told a man on the plane just the other day, every, why is it that there's a common thread in every people group on the planet, aside from America, uh, but it's still there as well, thank you, which is the desire to worship something. The acknowledgement that there is something higher than ourselves. Whether they say it's some weird bird, or whether they say it's something that came out of the ocean, or whether it's a star, whatever it is, or whether, as we know, the, the God who revealed himself in his word, Jehovah God, the creator God, everybody across the planet, every people group, regardless, has a desire to, serve, to worship something higher than themselves. How does that happen? Pharaoh served all sorts of gods. Think about this. How long do you think the influence of Joseph stayed in Egypt? I mean, uh, eventually, what's what's great here in Exodus when the when the uh, when when the the uh, plagues really start kicking in when when you get to finally I think the hail the Egyptians start moving their animals inside. They're like, okay, we know it's coming. I mean, the the servants of Pharaoh they're smart enough to start saying, yeah, let's let's. Thanks for the warning. We're going we're gonna to move on this warning while Pharaoh's like, no. His people are like, yeah, maybe it's time to listen. <laughs> you know, I mean, my crop's gone. My fields are gone. My flax is gone. My corn's gone. Frogs are still piled up and stinking. I got lice. You know, hail's coming. Maybe we ought to, maybe we ought to do something here. Yeah, Pharaoh wouldn't do it. Yeah. I wonder how much of the holdover of Joseph there really was. But this Pharaoh, nope, he wasn't going to do it. You know, in my most of you are in your Bible reading this year. You're already you've gone through Exodus or in Exodus right now, and uh, and I wrote down in my journal book there that we have. Uh, I said the problem with Pharaoh wasn't that he didn't know the Lord. I mean, 
we all start there in some way. I mean, I, I mean, I know creation and conscience. We know there's a God. We know that. But he didn't know Jehovah God, right? That wasn't the problem. It wasn't the problem that he didn't know God, but his response when God made himself known unto him, that was the problem. He said, I don't know him. I don't know him. Right. Why? Because he would have had to relinquish his own power and control. And that is the problem with every one of us in here. That Before we came to Christ, it is a problem with every lost person that continues to reject Christ. They do not want to relinquish their control and power over their life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can juxtapose, you can put side by side the response of Saul and the response of David. And you see the, the, in Saul an example of the flesh that will not abdicate the throne for Jesus Christ. And you see David, one who is, it just, uh, it was, was a type of the Spirit and he just uh, allowed God to rule in his life. Yeah. So you know how good Saul could have been if he had just allowed God to take the throne? And that's our own problem. We just never allow, allow God to really take the throne. He tries and tries and tries. Yeah. So Pharaoh here is a problem. Total, total disbelief. It's what's in our country. Disbelief. Not only disbelief, but disregard. Just abject disregard. Look at chapter 5. Look at verse 4 and 7. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people go from their work? Get you under your burdens. Look at verse 7. Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick. And heretofore, and uh, let them go and gather straw, let gather straw for themselves. So since Pharaoh didn't know the Lord, he wasn't about to listen to him. And friend, that's logical. That makes sense. People say, well, you haven't been listening to Allah because he doesn't exist. I don't listen to Allah. Right? We haven't been listening to the, you know, to the prophet Joseph Smith. Well, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> I don't listen to Joseph Smith. It makes sense if you don't believe something, if you don't believe he is, if you don't have a relationship. It makes total sense not to listen to him. But it makes absolutely no sense to say you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ and not to listen. That's, that's messed up. So he wasn't about to listen to his voice. So what does he do? He makes his work harder and harder and harder. You're going to get your own straw. You're going to get your own stuff, your brick. We're done. I mean, he just, he just turned the screws down on Israel. What a condition to be in, right? It's the condition we find most of the world in today. They don't know the Lord personally, and they really don't care. They really don't care. My brother in Australia, he says one of the most uh, normal responses in, in Australia, they knock doors a lot and, and they, said, they, say, uh, they just say, no worries, mate, no worries. I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's getting like that here. Just don't care. You see his confrontation with Pharaoh, the condition of the world. Condition of the world. It's bad, isn't it? It's not the same. Those of us that have... Uh, You've been around a little bit. My, it's changed. We go out door knocking. I tell Mike all the time, man, this is so weird. I mean, normally it'd be like they'd sit around and talk for a little while. You know, they would, I mean, at least, you know, now it's just like they say they go to church and they hate you too. <laughs> it's like, now this is really weird, you know. Uh, it's just changed, hasn't it? Yeah. The bigger, the biggest 
thing that used to be, I remember 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I should say, is uh, you'd show up at the door and they'd look at you kind of weird. You'd say, we're from so-and-so Baptist church. And they go, oh, okay, good. I thought you were Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> yeah. Now they, now they think you're like them. Yeah, or Mormon. Yeah. yeah. You know what God's going to do to Moses, though? This is tough. He's going he's gonna to give him some confirmation. He's going to give him some confirmation. I like this. Moses is going to question God. He's going to question him. Look at verse 22 and 23. I've got to finish up here just in a minute. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? He's saying, God, why have you done this to your people that you're supposedly, you're supposedly, you've called me to deliver them out of here. And now it's like, if you're in control of all this, You've got to be in control of the bigger burden that's been laid upon him. Why are you doing this? Right? And then look at his second question. Why have you done this to me? Why have you done it to me? If you remember back in Exodus chapter 3, he, God already told him this is exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jesus told his disciples, if, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. Jesus told, wait, he told us that we will have persecution in this life. They that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So why do we get shocked? Why do we get discouraged and quit? I mean, it's going exactly how God said it was, right? The, the world, the Bible says, you know, it says the world is going to wax worse and worse. Right? Things are going to get worse and worse the closer as we see the time of Christ coming. And it's like we are, we are just in unbelief that America is where it is. Well, what did you expect? Right? What do you expect when people walk away from God? Like it's going to turn out right? What do you expect when we walk away from God? Like it's going to turn out? No, he's told us all of these things. And so Moses is like, why? And then why me? Why have you sent me? Why have you sent me? God's given him, he's going to give him assurance now. I love that about the Lord. Aren't you glad that he knows but we're but dust? Aren't you glad that he knows our frame? Aren't, that, aren't you glad he knows that we're still, in, we live in this, this, this uh, fallen flesh that's going to die someday and needs to be killed someday and put out of the way? Give us a new body so we'll never have to worry about sinning. I'm looking forward to that, amen. Yeah. And uh, he knows us. He knows us. What care? He knows what we can handle. Yeah. Exodus chapter 6, 1 and 3, The Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I do unto Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of this land. And God spoke unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. What a great reassurance that is. Amen. And I appeared unto Abraham and Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. It's getting more relational with Moses than he even was with the others. He reminds them that he's Jehovah. Pharaoh's attitude of disbelief is kind of rubbing off on Moses. Don't let the hey, listen, don't let the world's unbelief rub off on you. It looks like they've got it all together and they don't. Right? And let me say this they may leave this life successful with wealth 
and riches. They might have had the greatest family. They might have had everything looked right, but I'm telling you, they are still existing in an eternal state out without God in a place called hell. It didn't turn out well. Yeah. I was thinking of the other day, some of these bugs that live like three hours. They're born, right? They go eat something, then they die. You know, it's like, and it's kind of weird. You kind of think, what a weird, just such a short existence. Hours, literal hours. There may be some less. I don't know. I'm sure somebody in here knows something about that. I don't know. But then I got thinking, well, in the realm of eternity, how long do we exist? I, I, Mike could even contend that in the realm of eternity, we live less time than the bug lives. Like, so short it doesn't even show up, right? And uh, don't let the, hey, don't let the world's attitude of disbelief run off on you. Don't let it rub off on you. Yeah. Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. And I'm going to have to stop here pretty, I'm going to be done. Yeah, we got, we got to go. So, what was God doing to Moses here? When he gave, listen, when he gave assurance, when he came back and gave confirmation, it, it looks bad to Moses. It looks confusing to Moses. It's not turning out like he thought it should turn out in his mind. And uh, although God already told him how it was going to, he still had something else in mind. And God came in with great confirmation. And what was he doing? He was signing his name, essentially, to the doc. He was putting his signature on it. No, Moses, here's my confirmation. I'm signing. It's going to be done. It's going to be done. I'm doing what I said I was going to do. And all of this that doesn't look like me, it is me. Right? The things that don't look like me are still me. I'm still allowing them to happen. I'm still working. How many remember, uh, you look at the, uh, the Declaration of Independence. What signature draw, uh, jumps out on that page? John <laughs> And we get that saying, right? Put your John Hancock on it. But it is the largest signature on there. Why? The signers of the Declaration of Independence, they knew the danger they were in in doing this. They were actually rebelling. They were rebelling against the most powerful nation on the earth at that time, the, the British government. They were rebelling against it. And uh, they could have had a little bit of hesitation. You know, they knew once we put this document together, we sign it and make it public, we're dead. We're dead. And of course, you know, Britain trotted over here and had to trot home. So, but John Hancock, is the, the, the story goes that he picked up his pen and he wrote, wrote it as largely, I'm hoping he was left-handed. He wrote it as, because that feels really weird to me signing. He wrote it as largely and as big and as bold as he could. And supposedly he said this, there, now King George will be able to read that without his spectacles. <laughs> Can I tell you what God has done in your life? He signed his name to you. There. Maybe can, Satan can read that without a spectacles. Amen. You belong to me. I have a plan in, my, in your life. I'm working through your life. I'm delivering you so you can be a conduit to deliver that I can deliver, deliver other people through. Just, it, it's okay. It's okay. Here's some confirmation. Maybe God's given you confirmation today that what he is, the work he has begun in you, he has begun a good work in you, will perform it. If you need confirmation today, would you go to him? Things may seem awful confusing. I get it. We, we, listen, he knows our frame. He knows what we're but dust. He knows what we can understand and what we don't understand. And when things get dark, 
when things get dark. Notice the pattern of Moses. He went, he'd, every time something got dark, he would go to God with it. He would go to him. The people, I mean, the next 40 years, people are rising up and wanting to kill him and wanting to go back. And every time, falls on his face before God, brings it to God, and God would show up. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what things are. Uh, darkness is in your life right now with things that seem confusing. Uh, things aren't working out like you thought they would. I, I, I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are. But can I tell you, God has a signature on, on your life. Go to Him. And he listen, He'll give the confirmation that you're right where He wants you to be. And if you're not where He wants you to be and He shows you, just obey and go and get where He wants you to be. Father, thank you for the life of Moses and thank you for the revelation that you gave us here uh, of this life and how it applies to right where we are. I thank you, Father, for your concern. I thank you that you know our frame and you know everything about us. I thank you for confirmation that you send in the midst of a crazy world, in the midst of a changing society. We are still uh, just weighed with the fact that they need the gospel and we need to continue. And God, would you use us in that way? We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.